Individually, perhaps our self, our ego consciousness finds itself feeling shaky, vulnerable, overwhelmed. Those, those places and what takes us there. And the kind of structures that come up to avoid going there. <laughs> you know, which is our, our busyness and our things we hold on to, to not have to travel to the places where we feel alone or uh, shaky or those things. Yeah. And possibly the Dhamma is to be able to be held rather than holding on. There's a very brief uh, phrase in the chanting that we do in the monastery every day. It's quite pithy. It says, the Dharma upholds those who uphold it. You hold it, it holds you. And it provides a holding that's better than the holding that we can do, which we tend to hold on. And the Dhamma is that which holds us. And there's a very important movement shift from that. You know, we may have the idea, well, holding on is bad, uh, non-attachment, little go. No, that, that isn't. <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> That's what it's about. You know. yeah. But there is a progressive awakening to potentizing, activating potential that we all have that gets lost, that will do the holding for us. This is what the one way today that we're going to do, or this weekend that we're going to look into the teachings of the Buddha. He said so many wise and wonderful things. I'm just lining the teachings up in that particular that particular theme, what can hold me when I can't hold it together. Yeah. So yesterday I mentioned um, these what are called five Indriyas. Indriyas are spiritual authorities. Uh, Indra was the king of the gods, so basically uh, someone who can hold it together. <laughs> and uh, these five Indriya, uh, Sada, Sadha, which means shades from aspiration to resonance to confidence. Shades across that. And aspiration means, I think it's possible. I don't have to be this stuck. I don't have to be always this compulsive. I don't have to be this habitual. Yeah, and you know, I don't want to be this habitual, you know, this compulsive, this stuck, yeah. and that sense of. Then you hear something that says, you know, actually get this bit. You don't have to be, and something goes, hey, that's interesting. Yeah, and then confidence is when you get the final. Yeah, it's true. That which I seem so much myself, that habit, that nagging pattern you know it's just that I don't, I'm not in it anymore and you begin to unplug it that's 
that's the value of faith and that's whether we like the word faith or we believe we should be totally rational and empirical and so forth every one of us has the faith that we could make something better of our lives than just getting by otherwise you wouldn't be here Uh, energy once you get some sense of things could be better I feel interested and moved to try and get that to happen it's enthusiasm you could say starts with enthusiasm this could get hey what's this about and then it moves into shades into um, willingness to try yeah Often we're fumbling, aren't we? We go, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's okay to fail and fumble. You don't have to get it right first time because there's that willingness and it starts like a toddler. You know, falls down, it wants to pick itself up. It knows that there's a way to do this upright stuff. <laughs> but it hasn't done it yet. Yeah. But somebody has the faith. It sees other people doing it. <laughs> it has the faith that this is possible. I'm sure there's something in the body that's saying, come on, we're getting up, come on, up, 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 you know, and you fall. But the energy still keeps poking away and pushing until, yeah, and then you get that kind of, uh, you know, investigation or attempting, and the willingness to keep attempting, and then when energy really crystallizes, you get... what I call joyful work. There's work. Work isn't always chore, sin, dreadful, striving, grinding. It's actually the joy of work. This is good, you know. I'm feeling like you're playing tennis or something. You're really going with it. And your energy's there. And you feel the joy, the joy of good energy. Whether you, you know, whatever the results are, whether you win the match or not, you get the joy just having this good energy coming through you. So it's a, it's a lovely um, potent potentials that become apparent for us. We can feel them. And that in itself is already a kind of fruition. You know? It doesn't matter because I'm just enjoying the ride. I'm with this. We feel our strength in that. It's so important. Energy. And the energy is unhooked from goal. Yeah. Where energy really gets crippled is when you've got to achieve, perform, you know, hit the bell, whatever it is, get the top grade, get the stars, and then already, well, can I? Maybe, and then the faith goes. <laughs> because I could never do that, you know. I'm just this, I could never, I guess you get smaller and smaller. <laughs> you unhook it from the, the goal and say, well, I can do this, you know. And that is when you're you're really coming into your your own strength. How could it be another way? Could we ever get it right on day one? On day 101? On day 1001? Just throw the numbers away, you know? This is really important because this begins to fill out. We fill out into our strength. This acts as the foundation for mindfulness. Well, 
right mindfulness, training mindfulness. As I said last night, mindfulness is the ability to bear something in mind. What we bear in mind constantly is whatever's most important for us at this moment. Hmm? But then, of course, that keeps changing. So it's important to get this done, it's important to get there, it's important to remember this, it's important where I put my keys, it's important. And something just keeps throwing these things up as what's important. But when you're training mindfulness, you're saying, well, it's important to be present now. That's important. Stay on track, stay in the topic. And where the faculty of energy is so necessary, so helpful, is because when you feel confidence and the strength, the empowerment of your own energy, the two things that the Buddha said you put aside or fall away is covetousness or ambition and grief, failure. So this is what you this is before you set up mindfulness, you put aside covetousness and grief. So it's covetousness and grief with with regard to the world, whatever world means, our personal world our life scenarios, uh, social awareness, environmental stuff, covetousness and grief. Covetousness is a bit of an awkward word, ambition, hope and despair. Because when you have your own power, your own energy, you don't have grief and despair. So then you frame up. And mindfulness is the ability to frame up and stay with that through this ongoing cascade of sensations, phenomena, internal, external, relational, interactive. You stay in the frame. You hold the frame, allowing things to come, allowing things to change, allowing yourself to be affected, allowing feelings to happen. Stay in the frame. Allow yourself to be upset, allow yourself to be happy, allow yourself to praise yourself. You know, don't think... You know, allow yourself your ego to manifest. <laughs> Stay in the frame. That's the way you learn. You learn that all of it is just this, this, it's this. It's phenomenal. It's not anything essentially intrinsically solid, real, to be cringed over, lamented over, lifted up, or thrown away. It's just, it does itself. And we find a balance through that. A balance we can never find through trying to be balanced. <laughs> you know, if I was less this and more that, if I was more correct on that level, more listening, more sensitive, more affirmative, more, react, more responsive, but at the same time calm and always so dispassionate and wise and peaceful and always there, and always, you know, if I was only there, then I'd be right. You know? Isn't going <laughs> to happen. Isn't going to happen. <laughs> but if I can frame up and hold with, with mindfulness, with mindful awareness, this ongoing tumble, tumble of karma that I sense as myself, then it starts to shake and into a pattern that we can live with this, we can learn with this. Yeah. We don't have to, you know, fight with it. This is mindfulness, tremendously powerful leveler, framing things with awareness instead of framing them with fear, framing them with I shouldn't be this way, framing it with grief, framing it with regret, if only I hadn't done that when I was 25, everybody did that at 25, 
That's what 25 was about. <laughs> Doing things that when you're 40 you think, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> there isn't any other way. <laughs> and then, of course, what's going to happen when I'm 85 or 75? Oh, dear. You know, falling apart. Dementia. Sheesh. You know. So, holding the frame, and then we, uh, through that, you're, it's like you're, you're centering, tends to shift from the, the content to the container. And the most important thing is the container frame. Content, yeah, but content has to be seen with reference to the container, with reference to the frame, we call it the frame of awareness. Content is important, is useful, but content will shift in accordance with the frame. So if you're framing your life in terms of should be, could be, wasn't, never will be, yeah, what do you think that does to the content? It's always never good enough, isn't it? Right? If you frame your life with perfection, perfectionism, really terrible crime, perfectionism. Yeah. Everything within that frame is going to be yeah, well, not good enough. Mm. Don't, we don't even realise we're framing because we're looking at the content. The content will start to tell you if you read the message of it how, what the frame is. If you read the message and the message that comes across pretty constantly across the track is is not good enough, yeah. then you get an idea of what, what the frame is about. Frames affect content. Framing with awareness is the way to free content. And we'll, this will be the main, perhaps the main bit of our practice. Results of this are collectedness, unification, instead of this internal splitting and splintering and squabbling internally, the mind becomes unified. There's no shadows, uh, no no go areas. The mind is unified. And we, through that, we begin to release a lot of the inner struggles that make us so. Uh, inwardly uncertain, agitated, mind unifies samadhi, and as this whole process, you know, comes into fruition, we and through that, and along with that, there's the the use of wisdom to keep discerning, being clear about what's actually true, what's stressful, what's skillful, what's true. Another way, what's true, what's skillful, what's stressful. A lot of the time we are having assumptions, imaginations, hypotheses, other people's opinions, impressions that we receive about what we are or should be from the media. Is it true? Yeah. And just to recognize if it's true, you don't have to keep saying, it's true, it's true, it's true. <laughs> Because it doesn't need that, it speaks for itself. You know, this is true. 
So truth is non, non-stressful. It's just it's like this. You know. Skillful. This is taking this energy, this action, this thought, this process, taking to a place of continuing stress or releasing it. Stress, pressure, uh, and the simple test of that really is that whenever you, because people don't always really know this or see it. In fact, this is considered, uh, you know, a sign of awakening that you can actually really understand stress is considered a sign of awakening you'd think it wasn't that easy it wasn't that difficult but actually to really see stress means you're, you're pretty awake stress is a, is a sense of uh, you're in the content there's a sense of uh, conviction you are the content yeah. your sights, your sounds, your impressions your memories, your thoughts, your attitudes that is you, that's what you are you're there, you're in it. Once you're in it, you've got to keep working with it. You've got to keep maybe lifting it up, polishing it up, smoothing out the rough patches. You are that. This is stress. So, uh, not seen as stress, seen as maybe normal. Because, of course, normally we're stressed. Uh, why it's stressful is because no matter what you do to that content, it never gets right. It never gets to a place of this is complete, this is finished, and so forth. <clears throat> Lack of stress, or the freedom from stress, means you're, you're aware, and there's a sense of space. You have options. You could let this pass, you could engage. Yeah, could go this way, that way. It's freedom. When there's stress, you're in it. There isn't that freedom. <coughs> you all know that the dead places of stress, I've got to fix this, I don't know how to do it. I've got to fix this, I don't know how to do it. I've got to fix this, I don't know how to do it. You think, well, if you don't know how to do it, why do you have to fix it? <laughs> but I've got to fix it, but I don't know how to do it. I shouldn't be this way, I should be another way. Well, if you should be this, wouldn't be this way, you wouldn't be this way, would you? Uh, you know, the stress provides these kind of locked places. I should be another way, but I'm not, another. I don't know how to be another way. Well, that's lock, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, when there's absence of stress, or the freedom of stress, is noticing this is a condition that um, has a painful feeling to it, disagreeable feeling to it. Hmm. How's that? How am I with that? How am I with that? How's the mind with that? How's the body with that? And from there, finding that framing, things can move by themselves. There's no lock. And I'm sure we've all touched into those experiences yeah, where oh, it's okay, you know, and things can move along. So there's wisdom to know that and to keep coming back to that, that that uh, oh, that that focus. So this is uh, uh, what the what our 
what the practice is about for this weekend. And um, as we probably all recognize the work on our minds, be mindful, work on the mind. Unfortunately, <laughs> we often labor under wrong impression of what mind is. We don't get to the fullness of it. So, perhaps the word mind itself is suspect. We call it awareness, or the Pali word for it is chitta. And chitta has uh, cognitive aspects. It produces cognitive. It's a kind of an awareness, a consciousness that keeps producing uh, and relating to. It's very highly relational. And it produces ways of handling material, handling experience. And one of the things it produces a lot of is thoughts. It produces thoughts to handle material, to get an idea. So that what's happening outside can be internalized, freeze-dried as a concept, and then brought out on future occasions. Very handy little number. <laughs> Very handy. The first app ever invented. <laughs> you push that little button and bong, the whole experience, or something like it happens. Something like it happens. Actually, it never, the experience itself never happens. But something near enough happens to be able to talk about it at a dinner party. Thought. Thought is the organizer. Thought is telling me what to do how to do it, how best to do it. Very important aspect of mind. It's the aspect of mind that's probably most highly charged, most highly used for us. Social creatures, we talk a lot. We have to handle abstract material, we have to predict the future, none of which is actually existing. (laughs) So the only way it can be experienced is as a thought, because it's not here. Tell me where the future is. Can see it, touch it, smell it? No. I can think it. Amazing app, yeah? Uh, and once you get that, you can invest in it. <laughs> and make money. So. <laughs> so that's great, isn't it? Great little thing, thinking. But uh, it deals with all that, what to do. Drawback of it is it, it's never peaceful. It's never satisfying. It's just, it's just a secretary running around. You have another aspect of mind, which again we're probably aware of, tune into, it's called heart, uh, feeling sense. How am I? How am I? If the thinking tells you what to do, the heart feeling sense tells you how you are. How am I? And uh, that keeps kind of bubbling along under thought. Sometimes we miss it because the thought is so loud and so, so imperative, we've forgotten how we are. But a little bit of practice, how am I with this? And one of our fundamental practices as meditators is just when this thought occurs, how am I with that thought? Where did it take me to? How do I feel about that? Does it feel agitated? What's, what's the resonance with that? How is that? The feeling sense. Both in terms of feeling... There's certain complexities in that. Pleasure, pain, also impression. Do I feel 
big, small, defeated, crumpled, proud, elated. So we talk about all this as the feeling sense. That's perception. And then the third aspect of feeling is activation, which means I'm pretty riled up about that. I feel pretty steamed up about that. I feel totally crushed by that. I feel springy and light about that. You know, that's also we call that feeling. It's not really in Buddhism. It's not really feeling. It's the degree of pleasure and pain. You have feeling, impression, activation, and activation is yeah. I'm feeling got a spring in my stride. We call that feeling too. Very important. So yeah, this is all to do with heart. And really, uh, is there anything more? Tells us how we are. I feel I've got some spring, or I feel I'm completely crushed. Anything more? The bit that most often gets missed is uh, where you are. (laughs) You know how you are sometimes. You know what to do about it, but you don't know where you are. I mean, you could create a thought that I'm in New York. Yeah? (laughs) Close your eyes. Are you in New York? That's a thought, isn't it? (laughs) I'm in crisis. That's a feeling. (laughs) That's not where you are. That's that's a feeling. That's how you are. So often these, what we're going to do becomes where we are. Yeah, so I am, I am on the road to so and so so and so. I am getting this done. That's where I am. I am in this situation, or I am in this, uh, this felt sense. But there's one feature of mind that's to do with how we. Are. It's actually the foundation of it. That's the important bit. Is the foundation of it, and it comes through being getting into your body. That's the easiest way we can access it. it comes through being fully in your body all of it that's where you are that's where you always are you're always that's where you always are if you're anywhere that's where you are and when you touch that as a and stay with that has a very important shift because that foundation was established causes the other two levels to you know it addresses the other two levels it, it, for start, it, it dethrones the organizer because here I am, there's nothing to organize about that. Yeah. Is there? <laughs> so, and uh, then we begin to sense, you know, that. that that quality, and then perhaps when the thinking mind is no longer so consciously engaged and we come to the feeling senses, gee, I feel tired, I feel disappointed, I feel, you know, feeling that wasn't really clear for us becomes apparent. And it's really, really important, really important to know where you are because the feeling realm really throw you around get very uh, unbalanced thrown out by powerful feeling so when we lose when we have powerful feeling 
and we don't know where we are, we haven't got that sense, we get panic, is one thing. You know, because the mind just can't find a foundation, so there's panic. Or we feel depressed, you're falling down a hole, just the void of, oh my God, you know, yeah. We feel overwhelmed because we don't have a foundation. So this is uh, three bits, and the fullness of mind is all of those three. And using particularly through mindfulness of the body, or the four foundations of mindfulness, using touching into that very foundational sense of where I am, which seems kind of unimportant, but is the most important thing, because it allows the others to, to unfold, and calm, and even out. And we use the body as a frame of reference for mindfulness. And through that, as, you, as it energizes, you, know, you come out of the um, socialized, habituated karmic self by programs and tendencies and inclinations to pure awareness. And that's indestructible. You know, the Buddha said, this is the only safe place to be. The only safe place to be. He says, I see no safety in this world except through this. Everything else is uh, subject to violation, disintegration, being knocked around. You know? Now, I'm not saying the body is invulnerable, but using the body, the, the mind can come into its fullness and begin to release the fears, the regrets, the violence in our minds. You know, and we come to a place of, of purity. It's, it's called this unshakable deliverance. It's the, the reference the Buddha made to it. Okay, so it may be that on this weekend we don't all get there. (laughs) But uh, that's, uh, you know, once once you really understand or come into contact with the fullness of your mind and you have the right kind of faith and energy, it doesn't matter whether you don't get there. You know, because we're not trying to get there. We've begun to, you know, diffuse that program, to pull out that program of getting there so that I will be. Yeah. And every time you, you manage to pull some of these plugs out, some of these wires out, you begin to touch into deeper and deeper levels of freedom and release. As you get that rolling and you know how to do it, I think your faith and energy will continue to roll that way. Just like when you're a toddler and you start to walk, nobody has to tell you, come on, walk. You just really <laughs> get walking. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it feels right and good and you feel most completely and fully present, aware, balanced, steady, doing work that you realize has to be done. 
purificate, clearing the mind, purifying the mind, letting go. And it becomes possible. This embodied mind can hold us where our thoughts can't and our emotions can't. This is why it's, we teach it. So we're going to have some time for practice and I'll talk through some practical points and then we'll take a break, a meal break for about an hour or so, an hour and a, hour and a half or something like that and then we'll gather again, do some questions, proceed to the day, have a cup of tea maybe you know, and wind up about 5, 5.30 is it? We'll wind up. Hmm? 5.30 and then uh, all being well, hopefully some of you, most of you, many of you can come back and we can continue tomorrow. Well, at least today I hope we can present something that you find meaningful and uh, stay in touch with. So first of all I'd like to suggest we do some standing. So yeah, just... Uh, I just to get to feel a bit freer in your body. So I've taken my, my robe off. Helps my shoulders and arms to feel freer. And a lot of space around, around the chest, around the sides of your body, and around your back. Let's loosen up. And let's get grounded in the feet. Yeah. So I had a preliminary workout on the New York subway, so my feet are fairly tuned in to holding on. <laughs> but she just, you know, you might need to activate your feet, in which case, uh, you know, come up onto your toes. Yeah, you balance there a little. Come back onto your heels. Lift. See if you can put your weight on the heels and lift the toes. Imagine your foot's like a hand, yeah? Or is you pulling your fingers back? What you're doing is stretching the sole of the foot. If you stretch the sole of the foot, you wake up the nerves and you get more... Uh, foot, as the foot wakes up, it's able to hold you uh, more, more fully. This is necessary because we, in standing meditation, uh, I'm going to uh, encourage a lot of loosening up in the tissues that normally would be holding us. I want to get it so that the earth is holding you. And the feet, of course, play the prime role in that. So waking your feet up. Turn your ankles. Come onto one leg and bend that knee. Can you? Can you you're capable of balancing on there for a few seconds? Can you come onto the other leg? Bend the knee strongly. Flex, waking your legs up. 
Can you come on to one leg, bend, bend the knee, and the other leg pivot on the heel? Feel yourself swing. You're using your hips, swing from the hip abdomen region, pivoting on the heel. Come on to the other leg, bend the knee, bend the leg that's carrying the weight. The other leg, get on the heel, pivot on the heel. And move yourself through your hips. Let your arms be loose. Go from side to side, switching which foot you pivot on. And see if you can, you know, without knocking against the wall, let your arms be loose. Let your jaw be loose. Mm -hmm. Let your eyes be loose. Let it be not so serious. Okay. Let's come up into the shoulders. You know your shoulders are normally the big weight carriers, aren't they? Your backpack, your weight, you know, yeah. And how much uh, we use this area of our body to carry weight. If it's not carrying weight, we hunch it. You're over your keyboard, you're over your car, you're hunched over. <coughs> so these areas get pretty solid. Yeah, and then you get stress up your neck. So now we can look at the shoulders in a different way. Go into your shoulder blades, lower tip of your shoulder blades, as far down your shoulder blades as possible. Just tuck them in. Tuck your shoulder blades in. Flex it. Flex the shoulder blades this way. That's what happens in your chest. Flexing your shoulder blades, pushing them into your back. Letting the front of your body yield and open up. Mm. Pushing in. Front of your body yielding, opening up. Do some rotations with the shoulder, lift it, move it forward and down. Move it forward, drop it down, all the way down and all the way back. That's the amazing how this joint is really about flexion and we use it for carrying weight. which causes it to stiffen up. And yet, how f- much flexion is there in that, in that joint? All the way back, all the way up, forward, down. Is that flexion? Circles? How does that affect your neck and your jaw?
Now, there's another movement your shoulders can do. Coming to the, the inner edge of the shoulder blade, down here, this area here, you can swing. Right? So just practice with, practice with that one. Swing. Loosen your arms, so relax, relax the biceps, the power muscles, and the hands. And just move your arm with your shoulder. So this is the movement of embrace, isn't it? We're putting something within my boundary, I'm taking it in. I'm embracing it, but it's soft. It's not, I'm not clawing it. So the hands are loose. Yeah. So instead of grabbing things with my hands, I'm letting something come into my body. That's the intimacy embrace, isn't it? Same time, I can also, from my shoulders, also extend the arms that way. There's the boundary. That's enough. That's enough. And swing again from the shoulders. It's swinging down, curling up, fingers coming back. And what happens in your back when you're like that? Does that feel strong? Because if it's coming from the shoulders, shoulders clearly are connected to your back. So if you're using your shoulders, you're coming into the, the strong line from your spine down to your feet. Sit off. Into that movement, <coughs> you do so just bend your knees a little bit more. Yeah. So you're feeling the strength of your legs. That's really enough. <laughs> yeah, you're really holding a boundary there. Coming back, softening. So there are certain signals that occur, which are felt psychologically, and are attuned to the way we use our muscles. <clears throat> when you use the top of your shoulder muscles, the signal is burden. <laughs> right so let's get all this take the weight off loosen up <coughs> standing okay as we come into standing <coughs> sweeping down from the, the feet feeling your uh Feet connected to the ground. And how even is that? Are you tending towards your toes, the balls of your feet? So come back onto your heels a little more. Till both those areas of sensation seem about the same. There's the equal pressure 
in the heel as there is in the ball of the foot. And those two pressure zones frame or stand around an empty place in between, which is the undersole. Hmm? The sole, sorry, the under arch of the sole of the foot. Ticklish, sensitive. Now, that is the balance. The two pressure zones are not unevenly pressurized, so they're, they're kind of, they're not super pressurized, they're just active, they're just awake. And they're supporting this empty space under the arch of the foot. If you can try to get the felt sense of your body as aligning to that, as, as arising from that, so your kneecaps. This is not visual, this is felt sense. Do I feel it in line with that? Drop your tail a little bit, turn your tail under. Are we lining up to a central axis that in fact is quite empty, open, poised? Take your time coming up through the legs. And then we come into the lower abdomen region. So if you turn the tail under, you relax the backside, the buttocks. You come to the front of the body, pubic bone, pubic uh, area of the lower gut. See if you can also soften there. So as if you're about to sit down. Yeah. Soften there. Try to get the feeling of widening or softening in the pelvic floor, the perineums, if you so that in fact your legs are holding you rather than any uh, bracing in your belly. And let the belly fill with breathing, fill with Fill with an in-breath and relax with an out-breath. Can you maybe keep your eyes open if your energy starts getting shifting or feeling unbalanced? Then you can always take a seat. Feeling the abdomen like a ball, like a balloon. So as it swells, it swells spherically. In front, obviously, it also tends to brush and push the diaphragm. It also has an effect of pushing down slightly to the pelvic floor and even a slight effect in your back. Imagining the ball, the breathing in the belly to be like a ball with the chest riding on top of that. So we're the upper body being held by the breaths. 
by the breathing and to what extent can we let that uh, happen can we relax in our chest our sides of our body in our arms and shoulders Suggestion right in front of me, immediately in front of me, is spacious, non intrusive, nothing going to jump in there. What's in front of me is spacious, non intrusive, even benevolent. Can open into that. Can you allow the chest to slightly lift on the in-breath without deliberately sucking air in? So let the belly control the breathing. Let the in-breath come when it wants, let it complete. And just like the chest now riding on top of that big ball, feeling your, your upper body being slightly lifted with the in-breath and settled again with the out-breath. Mm. And across from the top of one arm to the other arm, top of the other arm, this band across here, Feeling, if you focus around your breastbone, and particularly the, say, the upper sides of the breastbone, can we get a sense of lifting here? With the in-breath, I think lifting, allowing your shoulders just to settle back a little more, opening the chest, (coughs) and letting the throat open up to the in-breath.
And how is your head? How is the face? Is there anything we can gently unplug around our eyes, cheeks, mouth, forehead? So that you feel your face to be very much just part of your entire body. And again, connecting it or sensing that as part of the body, the movement of the in-breath, realizing there's also that brightening in the eyes and certain tingling in the skin that occurs with breathing in and breathing out when the muscles are loose how beautiful that can be shining face feel uh, movement, sometimes you feel a sort of itchy or a move, you know, feeling too rigid standing still. Just let your movement come naturally into your body, if that seems helpful, you know, turning slightly or, so we're not clamping. because where I am that locational sense we may find it through this physical form but actually where I am is always contextual isn't it I'm standing in I'm not clamped shut in but I'm standing in something that's maybe allowing or open or you know, non-judgmental. Don't have to put on some kind of face or impression. Mm. Feeling more comfortable standing in a space that is supportive rather than indifferent. So, is that locational sense, we have our eyes open, your ears are open, this visual forms, it's okay. When you have your own location, visual forms don't have to get into you. 
be saying who you are or what you are. They're just visual forms, visual consciousness, shapes, lights, shades, form. So let's just um, conclude in your own time. Give yourself, it doesn't have to be snap to it, but <laughs> you know, returning to the sitting position. Sitting. Sitting is just like standing with your legs crossed. <laughs> so instead of using your feet, you're using your, your legs to act. Uh, see if you can remember your back. The lower back. Just drawing the lower back in. So sitting up is really a function of drawing the lower back in. You can't sit up. The way the body works is you, if you draw your lower back in, it feels like sitting up. So this is the lower back is the area that got us up from the floor when we were crawlers connected to the legs to the sense of having a ground but also the ability to swing up yeah. that was the, the great discovery <laughs> so we're not being pulled up through the eyes or the imperatives of the future, or what I should do, but just being lifted by the lower back, pushing in, and re-properly establishing your, your ribs, your chest cage, 
on top of the, the breast body, the belly, the abdomen. So it's not squashing it. Chest can feel open. Remember what we were saying about the shoulders? You know, taking the weight off the shoulders by unplugging the tops of the shoulders that becomes more possible the more that you attune to and bring alive the other facets of shoulder shoulder blades drawing them in and the harmony between the back and the front of the body feel the strength of the back the upper front of the body feels it's got a protector and it can open up This particular, you know, so sitting uh, in this way enables a like an inner body, which is breathing. You feel a stronger presence, having an inner bodily quality, which is not the organs, but inner bodies like consciousness. You know, sitting consciousness being established outside, established internally in the breathing process and where that is energy builds up you get a, a an energy build up which is monitored and spread through breathing in and breathing out that process So making keeping the breath quite involuntary you feel the swell of the in breath spread your awareness from the belly up through the chest into the face and breathing out Breathing out through your face, your throat, your chest, deck. So much is held in the head, all these complex face muscles with their gestures and expressions. Breathing through the face means Breathing in, breathing out, focus around your eyes. Can the eye sockets relax and open up? Skin around the eyes. Can the cheeks lengthen? 
tongue rests in the floor of the mouth. Breathing and out through the forehead. Temples. Just giving your thinking mind something to do so it doesn't run off. Uh, Simple, very simple thinking, just uh, where is this? How is the breathing now? What part? How is this now? Where is it now? What's the what's the focus now? May not be that clear. If it's not clear, then that's that's the word, not clear. Uh, what's it, what's coming up now? Not clear struggle, uh, not quite comfortable. So just being able to name, feel what the name means to us, what the word means to us, the emotion, the mood, the sense. Does anything happen in the body when I sense struggle? Across the chest, in the hands, the face. Can I breathe out through that? When I sense not clear, what's happening Around the eyes, in the brain, the felt sense of the head feels groggy or misty. How am I with that? How does that feel? What's needed? Breathing in fresh, breathing out through the fog. Jumpy. How's that? Flickering in the eyes, tightening in the throat. Overall jumpy sense, arms, fingers. Mm. Breathing in, breathing out through that. Very patient, loving. holding it patiently and lovingly. This is important.
And how does that feel on any level? It's emotional, energetic, in terms of whether we, how we assess it, useful, difficult, you know. How is that? Just checking in with oneself. And uh, however that is, right now, noticing that, framing that, that's the feeling, that's the felt sense. Breathing in, breathing out, goes on. So to check in with you all, um, how how that is. If you have any questions, comments, just uh, how how things are for you. <coughs> it's got about half an hour or so to make use of that time. So a little check in time. John Suchidzov so much. Um, I was wondering, what, is that all right? Yeah. I was wondering if you might talk a little bit about the obstacle of drowsiness. I found myself kind of, once we started sitting down, I think the effects of the, probably the wine last night and <laughs> the noise was a little... I wasn't so refreshed, but the the body meditation sort of brought my energy up, but then kind of was drowsy. Mm. Well, yeah, there it is. Um, (laughs) That's energy, you see. So energy is is so often, you know, hooked to various forms of uh, stimulation. Uh, It just, you know, it's getting things done, arriving somewhere, rushing to work, sights, sounds, touches, so it's hooked to that, you know. So once you unhook from that, it, it sort of goes very... <laughs> and that's okay, actually. It needs to just sink. If it, you know, sink without creating a whole psychological habit out of it. You know, it's just sinking, it's not depressed or incompetent, it's just energy going down, then that's the place where we can refresh because we need to go down in order to come up in a way that's non-driven. A lot of time we're dragged up or thrown up, you know, to just come up slowly, you know, that's rather different. And it, it, it uh, rearranges our sense of self sense of self becomes much more organic <laughs> you know it's like rather than socialized if you see what I mean um, now just in that terms so this is the dissolving process so in order to <clears throat> adjust or to form in a way that's healthier uh, more grounded, however you want to put it, uh, you have to dissolve the old form. Dissolve is quite watery process, so we sort of go a bit 
Yeah. And there's an energetic wateriness, and there's sometimes even like a mood of sad or tired goes with it. Yeah. And then the body also will tend to do that. Now, stay present with that. So we're not really remaining aware of it rather than blocking out or going unconscious. Essentially, you've got to do very simple stuff, but, but repeatedly, 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 which is you know, pushing your lower back in, holding your chest open, framing the body, uh, uh, and then particularly the skin. So you feel the skin tends to pucker when your energy goes down. Sort of <laughs> like <that. laughs> Collapse football, you know. <laughs> so coming to your skin around the eyes, which become... So smoothing around the eyes across the forehead. And smoothing the skin back because it tends to fold in. It's quite unpleasant. It's quite unpleasant. But <laughs> yeah, you do you're doing that and keeping your eyes open and also the other thing to, to do is to breathe less. Yeah. So if you breathe less you'll wake you you'll arouse more wakefulness. Seems counterintuitive but by and large the drowsy breath is shallow so if we breathe all the way out stop breathing <laughs> you wake up you know just hold the on the out breath and you feel a pressure build up in your in your lower gut then as if you're breathing in through a straw a little bit at a time Yeah, so you might, if you do that for like two or three minutes and then relax again and a few minutes later another two or three minutes there's little priming places where you're readjusting your breath pattern and your breath pattern has a profound effect it's connected to your, your energy it's also connected to your Emotions, your psychological state. Mm-hmm. So when we're panicking, you know, uh, and the so the, the the slow, complete, all the time in the world, fine breath is very brightening and energizing. It's quite clean. Most a lot of breath patterning is, is gulp and drop. You know. Not consciously, but it's a slight we don't really fully allow the breath to come in. We gulp it. 
We don't let it fill. We get about this full and then we let it go. Letting it really come to the top of its, of its trajectory. Pausing. Letting it decide when it's filled, it comes up behind your eyes. Hovering and breathing out through the straw. This helps to reset the breath energy. So it does uh, its full work, its full span, which is really, as an energy, it comes right up into your head and all the way through your body. Whereas the uh, constricted breath often only occupies this much. Doesn't you know? So your throat can be quite closed, face is quite shut down. Complete breath will open all this up, and it opens up. You feel a bit strange. Here I am. <laughs> yeah. Those are things you can do. So keep keeping your eyes open, posture, and then uh, less training the breath, restraining the breath will help to cause the energy to shift. Thank you. Um, I, I had a question. Uh, do you, can I, I find any of this work that you're doing with the body online because it's very helpful? Can, I, when, I, when I've seen, I've been here before working with you with these physical things and they're fabulous and I'm just wondering if you, it's anywhere on a website or something any of this physical stuff to like hear it, audio? Um, well I teach it quite a bit so it's probably there in various talks but I never really said it I, I, I've got a I've done it systematically but I teach on these lines quite regularly so in your talks in your talks I would find these yeah, you might find something like guided meditation yeah. on breathing or guided meditation on okay. standing or even just what I think whatever we said today might have been recorded so that could be there it helps just to also have something walk through it we know it but it really helps to have it so you, you something in your organising mind can relax because somebody else is doing the organising for you <laughs> And just, you know, just follow rather what am I supposed to do now because that sends you in the, up to here again you know so it does help to have, have a voice just leading one through the process uh, thank you Ajahn uh, that was quite lovely um, one of the things that happens to me almost every time I meditate um, is that I get, um, I'll be sitting there in sort of a quiet, comfortable state, and I'll get a, um, a rising of heat. Um, and it doesn't, I've sort of gotten used to it, so I don't really react to it very much, but I don't know what it is, and I'm not sure I'm even totally mindful of it in a sense of paying attention to it and I'm not sure even where to how to pay attention to it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah well often the first question that comes up is what, what's this what am I supposed to do and that is, is coming to this center which is often 
incapable of finding a, a, an accurate response. <laughs> so if we come into either the body sense, like where, where is the heat? I mean, you don't have to locate it like in my kidneys or my chest, but even a sense of, as you comp- cultivate, you get the uh, experience like a bodily field. This quality, which is sort of textural, there's a sense of firmness, there's certain movements in it, uh, uh, and it's basically the four elements. You know, the body becomes earth, a sense of solidity, relative, um, heat, uh, movement, the air element, uh, water, which is the cohesive, and space, <coughs> earth, air, water, fire, fire, space. And the body is really, on a contemplative experience, the body is that. You know, you close your eyes, how do you know you've got a body? Because there's a feeling of warmth there, there's a feeling of mm, some sort of solidity. And there's this kind of repeated movements going on. That's my body. It's actually the four, four, five elements, four or five elements. And a lot of uh, uh, a practice can, with those, is, is about finding the balance. So one element doesn't predominate over another. And the elements can <clears throat> have, like, you know, fire too much fire or a fire doesn't feel comfortable so you could ask how is this can I be with heat is it okay or is it saying this is too much juice something, something feels not quite balanced you don't know because how is it supposed to be I don't know <laughs> but we might very well with fire fire feel where, well what about you know where's the hard structure in the body the earth um Where's the watery sense, which is the sense of harmony, like flowing resonances in the body? Yeah. Any time that we, we get localized into either one zone in our body or one theme in the body, that localization sort of seals it off. It's like one, part, one aspect of the body breaks off from the, from the wholeness, yeah, and then it becomes problematic. Particularly, say, with pain, you get, say, pain up here, and then it's sealed. And for that time, we don't really connect to the rest of the body. So your practice then is to feel the painful bit and the non-painful bits and hold them together. Yeah. With what water does, water does not create, cannot establish boundaries. It tends to break them. So breathing and using the breath can be, the breath can be either fire, the warmth of the breath, or water, which is the dissolving fluid obviously it can be air which is the sense of movement and it can also be earth which is the firmness of the end of the out breath you know here we are mm, just this and using the breath to breathe into one's fire um, and how it, I don't know how it's supposed to be um, does it feel constricted does it feel you know pressurized does it feel you know Maybe it's supposed to be this way, but does it feel constricted? Does it feel pressurized? Just what does it need? We enter with that attitude. Not how am I? But what does it need? What does it need to do to 
finish it, complete itself, to, to find harmony. And generally it will need space, wide and wide and wide and plenty of space, um, ground, <coughs> um, not disconnecting from it, not trying to fix it, sort it out. Uh, and then the you know, time to, to allow it's the energies to level. Energies will tend to level if there's absence of pressure, um, they will tend to, and there's openness, they will tend to level out. And uh, we just keep, keep that going. And you might also ask, is it, you know, how am I with this? That can also be a clue. Do I feel small? Do I feel big? Do I feel ungrounded? Do I feel blown away? Do I feel sick or something wrong with me? You know, check that out. You know, sometimes it carries these these messages, and we, if we if we it's holistic, you see. So if you work on the just acknowledge any emotional or psychological resonance goes with that. That could that also could be the place that needs to just loosen or unlock thank you you might have actually just responded but my question had to do with the frame and breathing whether it's a visualized or a felt sensation. I was trying to connect the breathing with the the concept of frame. Could you say that again? Could you just help me with that a bit? Uh, How do you experience the frame Uh when you're in the process of breathing? Is it visual? Is it um, felt? Is it a sense, just a sense of boundary? Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the frame is always bigger than the content. That's one feature of it. All frames. <laughs> uh-huh. It's bigger than the content. Right? Like a picture, the frame is always bigger than what's in it. So is that, uh, it has a sense of uh, stability. Frame is regular. It's not you know, stable, uh, it has a sense of clarity, it's just that. It enables something to become an object which previously was a subject. So when it's a subject, I'm feeling this and I'm in this state and I don't really you know how I'm going to be with this, there's the subject. Yeah? The frame is, uh-huh, there's some agitation here and some sense of uncertainty. It's an object. So it's a, more of a kind of objectivity. Yeah, objectivity, intimate objectivity, not, you know. So there's also a quality of, of empathy with that. Like, I'm interested in this, you know. It's not, you know, so it's, it's objective and yet it's not flat objective. Thank you. Yeah. Lady over there, I think.
Thank, thank you, Ajahn, for being here. Um, I have a terrible time trying to embrace joy. I wake up like your regular neurotic New Yorker, anxious, worried, uncertain. I mean, there's global warming, the animals are being slaughtered, they're poisoning our food. There's, I'm down to three things I can eat. Um, there's Syria, there's the Ukraine, there's fracking, there's the XL pipeline. I mean, this is what I wake up with every day. And actually, on my own personal level, I've been in a wheelchair for the past, like, over the past year for about eight months, and by my own sheer determination, and because I'm an exercise fanatic, I made myself do excruciating exercises till now I can walk, but I can't stand on one foot yet. So now I'm worried about that instead of being so grateful about being out of the wheelchair and walking. So all I'm saying is, how can I have joy when there's all this horror? You need a hazmat suit to walk outside. I, you know, I just, I can't stop thinking about these things. And I think, how can I be entitled to be peaceful and have joy when all this horror is going on around me and in me? Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> That's what we're here for this weekend. <laughs> uh, Joy's a little way off at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh, first of all, well, I think you spoke certainly for me. <laughs> I haven't been in a wheelchair, but all that list of horrors I totally tune into and resonate with <laughs> so yeah but then you know well it doesn't help me it doesn't help all that either you know so that's kind of like where's the place where and what I'm suggesting is first we have to find our own ground where that stuff is not totally overwhelming me finding your own ground finding your your stability finding your grounding place uh, and that's, uh, say, that's the first aim of our practice. And realizing that uh, that step can't be sidetracked. You can't, you, you have to make that step. You have to, whatever else is going on, you've got to get to where you are, be where you are now in a stable way before you can give any help to anything. Otherwise, you're just part of the problem, not part of the solution. And it's impossible to be to find a solution, the state from the state same state of consciousness as is experiencing the problem. Yeah, because it just amplifies, you know, as you just did, you know, boom, boom, boom. There's Ukraine, Syria, global, and suddenly all they came into the room, you know, and it can go on, and it just amplifies, and then we just go, you know, so. Um, You've got to, part of the grounding is, um, you know, can you give me one word? Says all that. The word might be too much, or overwhelm, or ah. <laughs> it's got yeah. to, just the sound, even. Yeah. You know, okay, got that. How's that feel? <laughs> you know, and where do you feel it? Your face, your skin, your guts, everywhere. Your nerve endings. Where's your brack? Where's your feet? Where's your breath? 
you know, and you breathe out that. What so often really the, one of the important things to do is to is to be, do this exercise of simplifying it down to one word. Because everything problematic keeps amplifying into many words, many concepts, many oceans, many emotions. And you just the okay, all of that. What says it all? And if it's just the sound, like, oh, okay, that's the best we can do now, then where's that? You, you've got right to the point. It's only at one point can you find your ground. And the point is often quite painful point. But also finding your ground, you can be with that and hold it carefully letting yourself feel what you feel. That's kind of what you do. And it takes away, at least it takes away the sense of, of constantly avalanching. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Last question for the, mor- for the morning. We'll do some more this afternoon, but just this morning, yeah? Oh, okay, thank you. Um, Psychosomatic pain. Uh-huh. Um, you mentioned something about localizing the pain in one part of the body. I've done that since I was a child in one specific part of the body. And it comes out acutely maybe four or five times in my life. But I always know that somewhere it's ready to lunge at me. And there isn't always a reason Sometimes it's when I'm relaxed. Mm-hmm. Every other part of my body is fine. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this one part. And I'm, I'm getting smarter at it, okay? I'm starting to stay in the moment and look at it. And I'm understanding it and conquering it, but not completely. And um, I really want to deal with this better than I am even (laughs) okay well you want to welcome it into the whole of your body Mm. so say I have a pain here and then I think just here what I want to do is stay stay there and widen the focus to include my belly my legs chest, all of it. Uh-huh. So instead of localizing it, pain is always localized, mm-hmm. but that's part of the problem is the localization. So if we just focus on it, we don't overcome localization. So what's happening on a psychosomatic level is that part of your body is separating from the rest of it. Yes. It is the problem. Now the problem cannot be the solution. Yes. So it doesn't know how to be the solution, otherwise it would have solved it by now. Yes. The non-problem doesn't know how to be a problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we've got to bring the two together. <laughs> so we get the problem bit and the non-problem bit, and the non-problem bit's duty is to say, come on home. 
okay. to the problem. Come sit inside me, sit with me, come and join me. I'm a dancer and that might explain why it rarely happens when I'm dancing. It happens? It rarely happens rarely when happens, I'm dancing. Because you use a, you, a lot of your body. Huh? Yes. Great, yeah, that's excellent. When, we, when you meditate, try to you know, soften, okay. which means softening your attitude. Like, I've got to try and figure this out to more like, try to be some space to be with this. Okay. And then widen, which means widen your attention to include all of your body, all even the it. space around your body, as wide as you can go. And then connect to the, the rhythm of breathing, which acts as the harmonizer that will radiate through the entire field of your awareness. Yes. So when we breathe, we... You know, it doesn't mean big breath, it means just subtle breath, energy, like we're opening and softening. And that pain body is included in that. It's not hived off. Thank you. Very helpful. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So let's take a break for a while. <clears throat> Suggest we gather again at one o'clock ish. <clears throat>